Today's show is sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Then let ZipRecruiter find qualified candidates for you. Show your support for our show and try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash lasts. Today's show is also sponsored by Stamps.com. Stop going to the post office and get a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale when you visit Stamps.com slash lasts. One of my, kind of our, my spiritual aunt and uncle, she said this phrase a long time ago that kind of relates to everything with any truth. And it was basically like, Jeff, you can't push people into the promised land. You can only hold up the fruit and invite them in, right? You can only kind of say, hey, this is what it looks like living here. Like you should come in. It's way better than the desert, right? Hey guys, welcome to the Real Life Podcast, where we talk about exactly that every single week, real life, which means some episodes might be about a fight we just had. Some episodes might be about potty training since we have two toddlers, and some might be about eschatological realism because I love thinking and talking about deep theological things. And maybe we'll talk about all three of those in one episode. But we hope the show feels like hanging out in our living room with us, drinking a cup of coffee as we discuss faith and family and culture and Jesus. Me and my lovely wife, Alyssa, are your hosts, and don't hesitate to hit us up or reach out on social media to say hi or comment on this week's episode. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Real Life Podcast. We have a special treat for you today. A couple weeks ago, or hopefully not more than a month ago, depending on when we release this episode, you heard from Jeremy Pryor, him and his wife, April. You guys know about because we've talked about them and posted about them because of our new venture with Family Teams equipping families to live as multi-generational family teams on mission. That's Jeremy and April's brainchild. That's what they've been doing for a decade or two. They're killing it and crushing it in Cincinnati. And we are just coming alongside it. And it's been amazing to see your guys' response. But today, um, that was a talk that Jeremy gave, I think actually in like 2011, 2012. But today we wanted to do a follow-up by me interviewing him live. So what's up, Jeremy? How you doing? What's up, Jeff? Doing good. How are you, man? Good. You're looking good. For those watching on YouTube and podcasts, etc., it looks like you got that 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 vest on, which means are we getting cold in Cincinnati now? It is freezing in Cincinnati. <laughs> it's winter has come. It's like 23 degrees today. I see you got oh, a short shirt on. Yes. Are you serious? <laughs> 23. Yeah, it's cold. Oh, wow. It's I thought you were gonna say it's freezing like it's like 50. That's nah. 60s <laughs> freezing in Maui, but that's amazing. Yeah. So we, you know, we're it's winter in Maui, which means it's like a cold and a low of like 78 right now. So we're doing okay. Aww. We're doing okay. Yeah, doing but no, good. <laughs> I know. Thanks so much for um, coming back on today. Um, yeah. Absolutely. How are you doing? Did you get any feedback from, like you said, community and other people and stuff like that from your talk? The cool part is, man, people just really, really loved it. I was, me and Alyssa were so excited because it's really cool to be impacted by teaching and mm-hmm. content and the scriptures in a really profound way over the last five or six years, and then kind of see other people kind of see the matrix for the first time. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a really, it was, we had a really cool vantage point, I feel like, and it was really, really cool. But, um, but yeah, you maybe just give some context too in that talk and what that was and what you've been up to since. Yeah, totally. No, I agree. I'm so excited that people are getting an opportunity to decide what they, what philosophy of family they want to follow. It's like a question that almost nobody realizes that they kind of make by default. Okay, we're going to go with the typical idea that the Western kind of culture gives us. And so, yeah, just to see that people uh, in larger numbers uh, have an opportunity to make that decision and see that those two perspectives, uh, I think that gives a lot of freedom. I mean, either way people go. So yeah, I've, I've heard people 
uh, more people just getting access to that. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited. Yeah, the context of that talk was that um, there's a there's a the Crossroads, one of the fastest growing churches in the country um, that we're really connected with here in Cincinnati, uh, wanted to do this series on on ways that sort of culture collides with the Christian story. And so mm. they wanted to just have this conversation around how does the fam idea of family in the Bible collide with the culture? And so I was really excited <clears throat> to get to a chance to talk through that with um, their congregation of about 20, 30,000 people. And uh, it was it was super fun. Um, and so, but to see this, you know, whatever, seven years later, uh, yeah. get to get to reach more people. I'm pretty pumped about that for sure. Totally, totally. And I, and I love what you said right there. I think it's really interesting there's a weird, almost like hypnosis we have in families today where we just take everything by default with families, but we don't yeah. do that with anything else, right? Like we yeah. make a decision of where we want to go to work. We spend our entire college experience just laboring and angsting over like, what am I going to do mm -hmm. with my life? What am I going to major in? Where am I going to go? What am I going to pursue? Um, we do that with hobbies. We do that with um, projects, anything. We do that with everything. Like we're very right. decisive and intentional. And people always say that to me and Alyssa, like, oh, Jeff and Alyssa, you guys are so intentional with your family. How do you do it? Why do you do it? And I'm like, not really. We just like kind of don't hip. We just get ourselves out of the hypnosis of the weird American culture of like just doing right. something because you have to do something. Why do you think that yeah. is that like family, we really just take family by default. Kind of mm -hmm. like, it's like when you get a new phone, right? And you turn it on and it has the default settings. A lot of us do that with family. It's just like, turn on our families. We start having kids, boop, American default family and just move on. <laughs> we true. never actually try yeah. to go into our settings and say, what is actually yeah. best for me? Is it actually to turn down the brightness? Should I actually turn on do not disturb mode? Should I actually take this app off? Like we don't do that. Why, why do you think that is right. with family? But we do with well, other things. We do. But I think the thing that's different about family is all of us have had 10, 20, 30 years of experience in family. Uh, mm -hmm. And so you just assume, of, cor of course, I know how family works. I mean, I I spent my entire life growing up in a family. I know what a mom is. I know what a dad is. I know That's what a I've son or daughter is. Um, and maybe you don't, uh, mm -hmm. but because you've you've just had, you know, we've all had the ten thousand hours of practice it needs to make us think we're experts. But none of us have really even pulled back. It's as if we've been playing the game in one tiny area and we've never pulled back and looked at all the different strategies or other ways to even think about it. But because we've had so much experience, and this happens to people, they, they realize this immediately when they start having kids and they become their mom, they become their dad, you know, or whatever. They start to go into default mode. These these messages, these kinds of uh, patterns, they, they run so deep in us. And so it takes a ton of humility, I think, for people just to even begin to say, maybe I don't know much about family. You know, mm -hmm. that that's the kind of the, the the shock when people start to actually say that. Um, so that's that's a big deal. That makes sense. That makes sense. What would you say? Um, and we're going to get into some really good questions here in a second. And we're going to get into um, I, I let basically a lot of people ask what they wanted to ask. And we have some really good ones that are follow ups, clarifying and also just some new questions. But before we get there, maybe just talk about two. Uh, I know a lot of these answers, but yeah, maybe just talk about you and April. Um and the whole squad with the, the five kids, um, how you guys have, like what, not, not what you guys have been up to lately, I guess, but just kind of, um, you guys have been doing a lot of this stuff for a long time. Um, what is, what does that kind of briefly look like over the years and, you know, discipling other families and where would you kind of say that is at now, basically of just kind of like kind of recapping how you got to kind of where you guys are now with it, where it's really like you guys have really invested heavily in it, deeply in it. Um, and transformed like a lot of families in the Cincinnati area, Cincinnati area, because you've been doing this for so long that it's just had a huge impact. 
Yeah, I would. It's it's interesting. It's hard to underestimate the influence of have of, of an idea. One of the things I, that when I hear a question like that, I I think of the phrase "ideas really matter." Like mm. what you think about something, because I don't feel like we're experts at all. I mean, I th- there was so many things that I feel like I didn't know. Um, I don't feel like I'm naturally a kid person. I'm not naturally like I've made these these guys who are just obviously built to be dads. Yeah, um, you know, they just love being with their kids. They they they're great coaches. They all of it comes naturally to them. And I definitely think. That's definitely not true of me at all. Um, the, the the difference I feel like the thing that we've been able to get a hold of by God's grace is that is that I think He's just given us uh, a new idea, um, really through our encounters with various cultures and the Bible, and when we were in Israel, we just sort of had this th- those epiphanies. And I think that that's difficult. Like I like your matrix analogy. It's almost difficult once you've had the epiphany um, at a deep enough level to not just start doing radically different things. Yeah. And so uh, I feel like you see our story is one time. of Yeah, you see it and and I feel like our story especially looking back on it is is just starting badly uh and trying to mm. figure like kind of just you know, I think about how many many years it took us to establish a rhythm or to have good family meals or to really connect with our kids. All those things to me felt uh, challenging. None of it really felt easy. Um, but I would say that the idea that undergirded our our idea family was strong enough, that foundational understanding um, did get sort of rooted enough that all kinds of practical new th- um, uh, things sort of flowed out of that. And over time, um, you know, I've, I saw our family really begin to flourish. And so I, I have a lot of hope for a lot of these families, people, anyone listening to this, because I feel like um, I would really take the time to get the foundation right. Um, and if you do that, all kinds of really great practical things will start to flow out of that. And we're going to talk about a lot of those tools mm-hmm. and Jeff and I are going to share a lot of those things. But um, And I, it, a lot of the families in Cincinnati that have been impacted, I think, have a deep foundation of, okay, this is what a family is. It's a multi-generational team on mission. But a lot of them are uh, more skilled at building those multi-generational teams. Um, they have a lot of, um, I would say, you know, more native skill uh, in either team building that they brought into the home, um, or they have you know uh, deep fa- deep family relationships that go back many generations that they can uh, they can lean on. Um, and others, this is very new to. But regardless, it feels like once you get that foundation really uh, strong and it gets gets rooted, and you get these ideas really clear in your head, um, it blows my mind what kind of impact that that has on just the way that people uh, begin to build their families from there. Hey guys, Jeff back here. Just want to tell you about one of this week's sponsors again, and that is ZipRecruiter, as you heard from the beginning of the episode. Now, you want to know what's smart? What's smart is kicking off 2019 by planning out which roles your business needs to hire for, figuring out who you need to hire to take your business to the next level in 2019. And what else is awesome and a good idea is starting the new year off by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash last to hire the right people for you. Now, unlike other job sites, the reason we like ZipRecruiter is because it finds qualified candidates for you. It has powerful matching technology that scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, and experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. So you get the qualified candidates that you want. And that's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the US. And this rating comes from the hiring sites on Trustpilot with over a thousand reviews. So they want to hook you guys up. So right now, 
you guys can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, which is ZipRecruiter.com slash lasts. Now, again, if you love this show, show your support to it and ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash lasts. That's L-A-S-T-S. And that's ZipRecruiter.com slash lasts. That's a really good point. And it's a it's a weird kind of gross analogy, but I do think like ideas are bacterial in some sense of like, and it's the, it is like they get into you and then you can't get them out of you, you know, um, or viral in some sense of like yeah. they affect you at a really deep level. And so you need to be captured by that. And that really is the, the, the gods that you do see the design in scripture that God's best is a multi-generational family team on mission for families, right? Like, of course, they're not for single people. But yeah. um, let's talk about, man, I got lots of questions that are already spurring off right here. I think you probably just surprised a lot of people by saying it wasn't easy, it was hard, uh, you didn't even really like kids. I mean, those things are really interesting to say when coming from someone who, in a lot of ways, is an expert now on um, families, parenting, uh, you know, not just someone who's done it for, again, two decades, you know, with your oldest being 19 and didn't Jackson just turn 18 too, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, so, you got two adults in the house now. Yeah, so you got two Crazy. adult kids. You've been doing this for two decades, but not just that, but you have literally probably more than anyone I know intentionally thought about it, researched about it, written about it, ta- taught on it, discipled other people on it, where you have hundreds of tentacles kind of coming out of you guys' families to other families that have lifted them up and blessed them in the Cincinnati area and abroad. So that's just really interesting for someone to have that much of an impact like you guys have had <clears throat> on us, on other people um, in your orbit. But then to still say things like, man, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't easy. It was hard. Didn't like kids. Um, and I, I mean, I've heard you talk a little bit too about, you know, being a five on the Enneagram and how that kind of like very introverted more than anyone else very much. I don't know if I'd, you'd say isolated or whatever was the right word there, but yeah, like I just like, you like to think and you like to be and sit and stuff. So how, talk about all of that. Like, how did you do that then? If it wasn't natural, if it was hard, maybe speak. Cause I think that's a lot of questions. I think people see you guys or maybe even see us just a couple years ahead of them as young parents and say like, Oh man, I wish we could just flip a switch and get there or whatever. When I think I feel the same way. Once you get captured by the vision then I know for me, the cool part is I felt like it gave me permission. Once you get captured by the vision, it gave me permission to just, just experiment like crazy. Right. It's just like, I'm just going to try and fail, try and fail. Okay. This worked, do this double down, et cetera. But yeah, I guess just kind of try to t- <clears throat> people listening who maybe feel like what you just said. And I actually think a lot of times people then stay on the bench because of that. But how did you then say, do you know what I'm saying? How did you still kind of say like, no, I'm going to do this and all that. And, and what was that like? What was that journey like where all those things you just said were colliding with what you saw in scripture? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, one thing that comes to mind is that I, I, I feel like one element that was really driven into me in a really positive way was that Jesus is Lord and I wanted to be all about his kingdom and I wanted to be on mission. And uh, those were things I was willing to sacrifice, whatever personality things or whatever frustrating you know, realities that I had to deal with personally healing. Um, I really want to pursue God and his kingdom. And I, I, there was no really great connection that I ever saw uh, growing up between family and kingdom. I mean, it was there a little bit, like, you know, it's probably important to, you stay faithful to your wife, you know, you try to be mm-hmm. good to your kids or whatever. But, but the mission of it is usually opposite. Yeah, exactly. But if you really want to pursue kingdom life, families, you know, at best sort of an a, kind of an accessory to, to that pursuit. Um, but man, because I had, I did have a ton of passion for Christ and his kingdom. Once I began to realize that, what better expression of the kingdom of God is there than a loving family? 
uh, than a family that's multi-generational, a family that's on mission together. When I began to believe that, uh, and it took a lot for me to believe that, but when I began to believe that, I felt like all of the passion and commitment that I had to the Lord began to get integrated with the way that I looked at family and saw my kids. Uh, and and that that was sort of like it, it really began to bowl over a lot of those natural um, I guess obstacles in my personality or my own uh, idolatries or desires um, and it started to help I, mean, I would still say I wrestled with all those things and they, it wasn't easy uh, it hasn't been easy and it isn't going to be easy to continue to overcome those things that just cause you to pull back as a dad um, and not really give yourself fully to your kids in a way that's that they really, uh, they really need, but um, but yeah, integrating and, and really getting captured by the idea that that I want I want to experience the kingdom of God around a table. I want my family to experience that um, in that same way. I want others who who have never tasted the goodness of the kingdom of God to experience it through a loving family. Um, that 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 man that that's that's a vision. I want my family, my house, to be a kingdom, a forward operating outpost of the kingdom of God. Um, it just it brought all that together, and instead of pointing all of that at the church or at other outside ministries, I began to want to point it uh, uh, through my family to the world, and um, and so that it sort of brought it all together. And I feel like that's what probably more than anything helped me um, overcome. I feel like so many of those those obstacles and idols that I feel I could have or began to trip me up uh, early on. That's a really good point. And I think what I'm hearing you say is the magic word is integration, right? I think of you have to understand that God built each dad and mom with a particular gift set, wiring, passion, demeanor, etc. And we weirdly separate that from our family of like, man, I'm a really right. go-getter type A woman. So I'm going to go, you know, push back and try to be a CEO. And that's fine. Go do that, right? I think actually there should be more of that. And we've kind of held women down in some sense. But why Why do you not be a dominant CEO of the family too, in some sense, right? right. Like I think, and same with guys, same with dads. Like you like, there's a, that's it actually, that, that trope is actually usually more common with guys of like, when we're really type A and want to work, those type of guys usually sacrifice their family on the altar of work when it's like, okay, work really well. You have a gift, go expand the kingdom in the vocation yeah. of work. But, but you also, man, that gifting is like, don't leave that untapped for your family. Like that, they, you know, um, and to me, I think that again, gave me permission of like, okay, hey, I'm not that personality, but I feel like I'm more, cre I'm a creative person. I'm a, you know, out of the box thinker person. I'm okay going against the grain. I try to start looking at all these things and I was like, okay, I see this play out in every area of my life. I need to tap into that for my family, right? So I need to be okay right. being out of the box and leading alone, you know, when no other families are sometimes and having creative ideas, et cetera. So I just think, yeah, give per I like to give permission to families to like <clears throat> just integrate who you are. Yeah. God, why would you like, if you have a family, God, why would you like that to allow that to be accessed by your family as like a beautiful and amazing resource? What, um, well, you think, well, go yeah, ahead. one more thing on that too, but you know, one of the things that, we've done in our culture is we've we've we don't really understand what identity we have like we live a disintegrated life where every single realm of our life we enter in with a new identity so in work i'm a certain kind of worker and in, in family i'm a certain kind of person with my friends at church and you we put on different hats um, this sociologist called this the atomization of culture, where every single uh, part of our life is is sort of pulled apart, and it's like its own little unique atom, as opposed to bringing it together in an integrated whole. And so, part of the experiment that I would encourage people to consider is, um, if you're a mom or a dad, 
what would it look like for you to wear your father hat everywhere? Um, in, in other words, when you go to work, uh, you are still not, and, and this isn't to say you're going to father your work. It means that you are being sent out from the household into the workplace to to really represent the family and to bring resources from the family or mission from the family into the workplace. Um, and so that that their identities should be more overlapping than they should be atomized. And and probably one of the primary identities, if you're a mom or a dad, is is your your mom or dadness. I mean that. <laughs> and so there's ways in which that can be. Comp- you can keep that identity of father everywhere you go. When you go when you go to church, when you hang out with your friends, um, all of those things. And so um, and so that and that that was a that was a really hard thing for me to take on board. Honestly, like um, my strongest identity was definitely not a father. You know, I think um, probably the way that I'm wired, um, you know, that sort of investigator, studier, researcher, almost professorial person, that's a little bit, you know, the most natural identity. Um, And if people start to affirm that identity, I could just carry that everywhere I go. Um, And so, uh, but when I began to, I made a decision at one point, I want to fully uh, invest my life and live my life through the identity of the father of the prior family. Um, and man, it just brought so much together and it, it resolved so many tensions. Um, so I, I don't like? think we're so doing talk about that favor. some more. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't where feel were like those tensions. Yeah. The tensions of when you go to work, am I getting, am I really trying to build an identity at work or am I trying to, uh, trying to represent the family in the best way I possibly can and, and work out uh, expanding the territory of the family in the best way that I can. So when I think about that, or am I trying to accomplish the family's mission? So when I go home, mm-hmm. um, I need to talk to my kids a lot about like what's going on at work. Why are we getting involved in this project or that project? Um, it's all integrated. Like how are we working? Uh, this is all something we're doing together, whether it's a church or a ministry. And um, uh, all these things are really outflows of um, what does it mean for me to build a house? Like when, when I go to work, I'm still I'm still in the process of building my house. That's why mm. I'm working. You know, when I'm in ministry uh, and I'm trying to expand the kingdom, I'm still uh, someone who is trying to work through my household and and bring integrate my household with ministry. And so I'm primarily still the the father of this house. And uh, and so yeah, that that that's the way that that I started to see life. And it wasn't something I, I did decide to do it, but it, but there was a decision underneath that, which was I, I just believe that that's actually true about me. I think I think that part of what what I what, you know when you think about and Abraham was definitely the mo- the most inspirational figure for me in this area. He was primarily seen as Father Abraham, even in the New Testament. You know, when when the, there was a parable of the rich man Lazarus, and he and he encountered Abraham, he said, "Father Abraham." You know, huh. why did everyone call Abraham Father Abraham? Um, you know, and and he was Father Abraham because that was his primary identity. So I studied what would it look like every time that Abraham went and like you know traded fifty sheep for a hundred yeah. camels or whatever he did. He was not doing it as now I'm going to put on my business hat and try to create a business identity as the best trader I possibly can be. That's the way Western people think. That's not the way Abraham thought. He thought I'm just a father, you know, and I'm trying to build up my household. And in order to do that, I need to make this trade. So here we go. Let's make the trade. Um, that that integrates your life and it helps you make a lot of decisions and prioritize the activities of your life in a completely different way. One that is that really c- kind of stems and moves through the family instead of constantly trying to negotiate 
Um, you know, I see a lot of couples just there's an endless negotiation that they're doing inside their own heart between their identities or between each other um, about like how do we you know how do how do we get the most out of our other identities and and who's got to be sort of stuck with the home identities um, and like you said th- there's sort of been this trope in our culture that really says well that's sort of you know women should have to be stuck with the home-based identities and men get to be free of the home-based identities. The way you liberate women is you liberate women from the home-based identities. And I want to go the other direction, which is I want to like tell men, you need to live through your home-based identity. Um, you know, that, that is, that's, if you're a father, uh, tell me what, what better thing do you have to do than to raise those children? Like what more impactful thing are you going to do with your life than to build a household? When Abraham was a father, what more important thing did he have to do than raise Isaac? Um, you know, if he, if he would have made his identity as a camel trader, uh, primarily and not thought about the importance of what he was building into his son, which one of those activities was ultimately more fruitful, but because families are multi-generational, there's just no competition at all. Once you put enough time, uh, behind what, what is going to happen into the future after you're gone, there's absolutely no way that what you're going to do in your lifetime, in your trade or in your work identity or even in your ministry identity is going to come anywhere close to the kind of impact that your multi-generational family will have if that thing multiplies over time. So, so it, it, it's also just sort of logical to live life or to think about impact or fruitfulness primarily from the perspective of your home-based identity. But I don't think that's something we talk about. Hey guys, Jeff here. I want to tell you about one of this week's sponsors, and that is Daily Harvest. This is actually a company Alyssa found ages ago, has absolutely loved them. They're incredible, and they also allow us to eat more fruits and vegetables than we ever would have before them. Now, if you don't know Daily Harvest, what they do is they deliver carefully sourced, chef-crafted food built on fruits and vegetables, and then you can choose from more than 50 ready-to-blend smoothies, savory harvest bowls, soups, breakfast bowls. It's incredible. And each single-serving cup comes ready to blend or heat. You just have to add water or milk to the smoothie or heat up a harvest bowl. All their ingredients are carefully sourced for maximum nourishment and flavor. And the best part is everything just stays fresh in your freezer until you're ready to use it. We absolutely love them, guys. It's incredible, and it's so useful, useful, especially with toddlers. If you have families, this is a game changer for us for quick, healthy snacks and meals when we need them during the day. So we want to hook you guys up. So go to daily-harvest.com and enter the promo code REALLIFE to get three cups free in your first box. So again, that's promo code REALLIFE for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. And again, daily-harvest.com, promo code REALLIFE. All right, love you guys. Oh man, I got lots of thoughts there. I feel like, yeah, first of all, I thought of the the Wendell Berry essay. I think it's called Feminism, Body, and the Machine. I read it every single year. You guys, you need to read that essay. Wendell Berry's amazing. I think that's his number one. I read it every single year. I don't do that with anything. Like I don't reread anything. That one, I it is like mandatory reading for me. And he has a line in there. And of course, it's way pretty harsh, but it's more of he's the guy that's trying to make you think. Um, and he basically is talking about the feminist movement and he goes, they're trying to be, like you said, they're trying to be liberated in some, some, some sections, of course, that's a, a generalization, but some sections are trying to be liberated by like, if I, if we can just get into the workplace more then we'll be liberated. And he basically just asks the rhetorical question, like, why do he goes, why do you want slavery too? 
He basically just says right. like, why do you like the, the, the dads sold themselves into slavery a hundred, you know, metaphorical work slavery a hundred years ago. Why do you want that too? Now I'm not saying that's correct or whatever, but I'm saying, whoa, that'll sure give you something to think about. Um, yes. And, and what, and, and if you read him, what, again, he comes back to that word integration. We need to work, work is holy, work is beautiful. Um, we yeah. need to work, you know, it's not possible for all of us to just be farmers. I'm not a farmer. Um, we need to go out into the workplace. We need to go do our thing. But I think, I think, and, and this is where I think we've even had to go on this personal journey. And we've talked to you about this a lot and got wisdom for you guys on, on this, like speaking ministry. Right. And there's some things that change have changed in our work because of what we believe about family. But there's also some things that only the only the belief has changed, the action hasn't changed, and that's been enough, right? right. And what I mean by that yeah. is, here's what I mean, by, and I think a lot more dads could do this. Like I, I think sometimes people hear this like conversations like this, and then they just think, "Whoa, I just got to quit my job and go hang out with my family all day," and it's like, no, that's not what we're saying. That's kind of a caricature, right? right? What we're right. saying is we need integrate like integration is the goal don't pretend that you just have like 17 different hats right you might have different right. roles but you're a father going into those roles and the way that we've had to learn that how to hopefully can communicate to people is <coughs> um <clears throat> excuse me guys just getting over a big cold lung infection sorry um is that um yeah so i was going out and speaking right but there was and and you never say this like out loud you're just in my mind i was like this is my thing like I've been asked to speak. It's kind of my job and I just go out and I love it and it fires me up. Boom. So I go. Then this tension arose of like family gets left at home. I got to go speak. Alyssa's not loving it. This is my work though. It pays the rent, blah, blah, blah. So there's that tension, right? Now there were some things that changed, but one thing that didn't change that we realized was really helpful is we just really had to shift our attitude of like, I still go out and speak, but it's very, very intentionally now from the framework of like, the Beth Keys, the tribe, the little team that we have created at home is collectively sending me out to go represent the kingdom, to open up the scriptures and hopefully teach to people that are going to show up. Like, so yeah. I, it's the exact, so on a behavioral level, it's the same thing. I'm still going and speaking right. places, but it's been night and day because, and it kind of feels way more like a team, right? They're sending dad right. out and they, and all of them pray for me. The kids pray for me and it's hilarious to hear a two-year-old pray. Um, <laughs> and they send me out on mission rather than, yeah. oh, I'm going to go do my thing and come back to the family, right? So right. I think that's a really good example of like how 90, some people will quit their job, some people will move, some people will do like, you got to make drastic decisions. I think 95% of people when they hear this, it's really just got to be an attitude shift of like, man, we're sending yes. dad out to work as a representative right. of the Beth Keys. Like he has a, he's a citizen of like this little, almost like an ambassador of like a country, right? To represent right. these, this, these, this yeah, kingdom, this empire, these values. So I hope that's, I, I don't know. I just want to add that because I think that's what's, <clears throat> I think the nuance there has been really helpful for us. Um, okay. One, one thing I'll add here or that was a, probably the most frequent question we got is what do you do when you're kind of, when like a wife is captured by this vision, multi-generational family team on mission, sees it in the scriptures, understands it, really wants to be crazy intentional with their family, sees where God's leading them, but the husband isn't on board. Either he's a little bit more, you know, far on the spectrum. He just like doesn't love the Lord and just doesn't care. Or, you know, I would say more commonly is like loves the Lord, but just maybe either feels insecure or fearful doesn't really get it or more like hasn't really just been captured by the vision. Like just kind of doesn't care. That's maybe another one, but still loves the Lord. Um, yeah. We got a lot of questions on that and we get a lot of questions mm -hmm. on that. It's a, it's a sad dynamic, but I think that's one of the more common dynamics in the Western church today is for some reason, women, a lot of times are very much 
more faithful followers of Jesus than the men. I don't know why that is, but it's just you see it over and over right. again in a lot of regard. Um, and I think that just bleeds badly into families because then you have a wife who wants to take the family somewhere, the husband doesn't. And we all know from statistics that if a husband doesn't want to go a direction, like there's an, you know, the statistics probably better than me, but it's crazy. It's like, just basically the husband kind of sets the tone and people like, you know, like if, if a husband, like if there, if if there's no Christians in the house and the husband wants to be a believer and starts following the Lord, then what is it like 95% of the time, the rest of the family starts walking with the Lord. And if it's reverse, if it's just the mom, it's like one in 10. So like there's, there's weird statistical data there that like you need the dad on board. So what would you say to people? Just the dad's not on board. How do you, how do you get him on board? How do you nudge him? How do you encourage him? How do you get him captured by that, et cetera? Yeah. Well, like you said, it's actually an anomaly in some ways of Christianity that, that, that it does tend to skew towards the female and you don't see that in Islam. You don't see that in Judaism. Um, and I, I think that this is actually somewhat a vestige of our view of, of family, um, honestly. And this is, if, if, would guys get a hold of the fact that, and the family order kind of comes in and they begin to think about life from this perspective, this is very, very, very interesting and attractive to men. Uh, and the one caveat I would say are warning uh, to, to women and wives who are really uh, concerned about this is that you have to be really careful in the early stages to not turn off your husband from this. There's something, you, you need his heart to waken up. And, uh, and there, are, there are things inside this message that wake up men yeah. um, very commonly and very predictably. But it typically, it's difficult for them to hear it from a woman. I mean, for whatever reason, uh, there's probably good and bad reasons for that. Um, and I think that, I think that, but that's reality. And given that, it's important that they, that they are given time. And like you said, there's insecurities there. But what I, I've noticed is that, man, when, when men begin to realize that um, all of their desire to be a part of a team and to lead a team, um, and uh, and there, are, you know, the reason why men are into sports, the reason why men are into military things, the, you know, they, they all really kind of stem back to this idea that they're looking for what is that unit, what is that platoon, what what is that uh, group that I get to engage life with and and lead through or be a part of or coach. And man, when, if they ever come to the uh, realization that 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 it's their own family. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an eruption of passion that is fairly common and predictable for a lot of men, unless they're completely jaded. Um, and so, so, you have to give them time, and we got to try different things to sort of waken up their heart or help them see um, that. Wow, this is. But I would look forward in other areas. Are there other areas where you see your husband? You know, really gravitating towards um, wanting this thing. Like, do, does he want to hang out with his buddies? And like, does he like to watch sports? Does he like to sort of form teams at work? Um, are you seeing evidence of this desire um, that he's just pointing elsewhere? And if you see that the evidence of that, um, then I think you know, even like playing video games, like trying to be the hero. You know, like you huh. see men uh, really trying to find this somewhere. And, uh, and I just, it's like, it kills me that sometimes the guys who are off, like just killing it sometimes elsewhere in some other arena, um, and just they're desperately want to be a part of a team, have no idea that their entire team is sitting at home on the bench, waiting for the coach to come home and engage and say, Hey guys, let's do this. You know? Totally. Um, so, uh, man, if he, when he realizes that 
it's uh, all bets are off. Um, so be patient, uh, be careful not to turn them off to the idea um, through coming on kind of crazy strong. It, it, you know, there's that verse in First Peter that really even says, "Win them over without a word." Um, and because words themselves are really dangerous to use when you're trying to when when guys tend to think that maybe I'm being sort of pushed or pressured or manipulated into something, man, walls go up and and hearts get hard. So uh, I would just put that as a big caution, but hopefully through, and this is why Jeff and I are doing that five-minute fatherhood podcast, we're going to be uh, really talking to dads as much as possible and just giving them ideas, but like sprinkling around the edges all of uh, this philosophy, and I think guys are going to really come alive to it. Totally. So, and a, a quick follow-up there, but yeah, before that, guys, yeah, like Jeremy said, that actually is a huge heartbeat of mine and Jeremy's. And so we are trying to create everything possible for, for like what Jeremy said, for it to be guy to guy, for us to talk to them. And so we're going to have a daily podcast, guys, that's coming out soon. We haven't announced everything on it yet, but yeah, it's going to be called Five Minute Fatherhood. And it's going to literally be five minute little episodes every day with tactical, practical wisdom and tips and just talking fatherhood. And you know, if you're a wife, we'll probably launch with that. So you can listen to that first if you want or listen to it with your husband. But yeah, that'll we'll be talking to the dads there. We have the skill of fatherhood masterclass. If you want to get that for him and just say, hey, poke around in here, look at this, or you look through it and pick out what you think he would like and say, hey, go watch this module, whatever it is. Um, we we literally are trying our hardest to try to, because we see this as a problem. I think both me and Jeremy have actually, I know I can speak for myself, been that guy in a season. And so we know what it takes to kind of be captured or get kind of awoken or awaken or yeah. whatever the proper grammar there is. It's not like I'm an author or anything, um, is <laughs> is to to get guys captured by that vision. And so so yeah, so we, we're trying our hardest, guys. Hopefully those resources are helpful. Um, a lot of those are coming January, February, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I think what you're saying is basically enable. Um, I think, yeah, it's like you have to, you have to, there's no better, like dads, you, what you're trying to build, you, you can build something better and it's called the last name. Like you, you have the opportunity to build this kingdom right. and this empire of a last name that can be a legacy and a dynasty spiritually for the kingdom of God over hundreds of years based on just your trajectory shift or change or adding on to a previous generation that was awesome. Um, and so, so yeah, so I just think that's huge for sure. What do you say? So then like, yeah, so, and, and I agree. Yeah, you've got to be really careful, really sensitive guys. Cause I think, yeah, guys put up, or ladies, cause guys put up walls really fast. Um, and I also think, I, it's like the best, one of my, kind of our, my spiritual aunt and uncle, she said this phrase a long time ago that kind of relates to everything with any truth. And it was basically like, Jeff, you can't push people into the promised land. You can only hold up the fruit and invite them in, right? You can only kind of say, hey, this is what yeah. it looks like living here. Like you should come in. It's way better than the desert, right? Talking about the Old Testament yeah. picture of the desert and the promised land. So I think that's that same thing. Like, don't try to push your husband into the promised land. You can only hold up the fruit. Um, and, and personally, I, I, uh, there is a level of long suffering here that I also think is crazy, incredibly powerful, right? And I don't mean long suffering in the sense of like, if you have a bad husband, like that's a whole different conversation. If it's dangerous, he might need to get out. It's said, you know, and separate for a little bit, whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just like, they're not doing what you want them to do. And it's just hard. Um, yeah. and th in that case there, and, and, and Alyssa, and I'm saying this from experience cause Alyssa showed this to me. There's a long suffering that's really that we've lost the art of long suffering, right? Like we, right. when we find truth, we bring it to our spouse and then you better change. And if not, now I'm bitter. Now I'm resentful when it's like long suffering itself, meaning your response, once you've shared truth and they're not changing your response to them in and of itself is an act of the gospel. 
in and of itself is actually an agent of change. How you actually respond. I would say over like a couple years, meaning if you were just continually over the years, faithful, loving, encouraging, not nagging, um, you lift them up where maybe they aren't that awesome, right? Like, hey, I see you doing a great job leading right there. Hey, I really appreciate how you made that decision for our family. And it can be tiny stuff or it can be stuff where they're really not even doing that good of a job because I know Alyssa did that with me, but it fires me up, right? When Alyssa (laughs) says like, hey, that's right, we need a follower. That that way you picked out the appetizer on the menu for our family. Like I feel so... led and blessed right now yes. right like it could be that small that's awesome but, but she Can did I say that. Something about that go ahead yeah i mean i think that's huge because I, I you know one of the things that it might sound extreme but but with the way that that western family is designed men are all basically expendable um you know that we really have created a maternal idea and so here's a here's something that i think jeff is, is really teasing at that i think if you really want to get your husband on fire for this um, one thing that you could try to do is actually ask him, what is your vision for the family and how can I help you achieve that? And, and, and like he said, it could, it, it, you, you may be very underwhelmed <laughs> by the response and, and he may not even want to respond, but, but it's, it, it'd be really an interesting conversation. I mean, even if his vision is assuming it's not dangerous, right? But even if it isn't what you think is ideal, like, man, I would just love, like, if we could like watch more sports or play more video games or like, um, you know, or be involved in, in this activity or that activity. And you're like, Oh, that's not what my favorite thing to do. Um, man, if, if once a man begins to feel like he's leading something, uh, and the first person who makes a man a leader is his wife. A man is, a man is just isolated until his wife starts to follow him. Mm. And that's the moment he becomes a leader. There's a great video online of a guy who's like dancing. If you've seen that video, Jeff, but that guy was sort of like dancing like a crazy person in front of like 500 people. And this, no, there just was like a, a guy randomly? Voice. Or I mean like- Yeah, well, like, he, yeah, he was just sitting up there and he was just sort of dancing around. And then all of a sudden, a second guy came up and started to dance with him. And there was a voiceover, a guy who was explaining how leadership works. And he said, that man was crazy you know, five seconds ago, but that second person, the second person made him a leader. And then, then oh, that's true. 20 seconds later, the whole crowd of 500 was all dancing like the guy. That's and, cool. and, the, it, and the whole point was the thing that made the, the crazy, weird, isolated dude a leader was the first person who followed him. Hmm. And so when I, when I, it's wives, you are the one who makes, if you want your husband to be a leader, you have to follow him. You have to decide that, uh, that okay, what is the vision that you have for the family? And I know this is controversial. And a lot of people have different feelings about this, but if, if you, if, but I'm just saying to those of you who want your family to be led and believe that that's something that you're called to, um, man, it, it does take a long suffering. It's challenging, but, but by asking what that vision is, finding out what that vision is, and then trying your best to follow it, um, all of a sudden, your husband finds himself with a team that he is leading. And then all the all the responsibility and, and weight begins. To, he, he sometimes that can wake him up, and he starts to think, "Well, wh- what is this really what I want to do with my family?" Uh, and like you said with Alyssa, I feel like April, uh, she had to follow me leading badly <laughs> for a yeah. long time, in order for me to become anything like a decent uh, leader of my family. But thank God she didn't think that uh, the first time I screwed up, you know, I lost my job. Otherwise, uh, we would certainly not be talking here today. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Hey guys, want to take another quick break to tell you about one of this week's sponsors, and that is Stamps.com. I love Stamps.com and have been using them for, I think, like six years now. If you've ever gotten a poster from me or a book from me or a 
signed copy of something from us, it has been because we've used stamps.com. And so you can stop going to the post office to send letters and packages when you don't have to, and you can save time and money by using stamps.com instead. And that's what we've been doing. We love them. They're faster. They're more convenient. You just use your computer to print official postage for any letter, package, or any class of mail anywhere you want to send. With stamps.com, you get discounted postage rates that you can't even get at the postage, postage, the post office, sorry. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. And so we wanted to hook you guys up. So right now, you can too enjoy stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a free digital scale. So to start the new year off right, go to stamps.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in lasts. Again, that's stamps.com and enter lasts. What, what about the other side of the coin? I actually think that's a great segue to um, one thing because I think that conversation can then sometimes devolve a little into stereotypes and caricatures. But I love what you said right there of like, and what I've heard you say before too, is yeah, I think I think the, the, the cool part is God has equipped fathers and put his hand on fathers to cast a vision for the family. But that doesn't mean that like, you know, he um, is perfectly skilled at like the actual nuts and bolts of systems and this and that and all that. So like, I've, I've loved, I've, I've heard you talk about and I love hearing you talk about kind of like, okay, what do you do? Like every marriage is a little different, right? And every wife is, some wives are a little bit more like great leaders. And, and sometimes the husband is a great like, asset releaser, you know, or like, um, some husbands right. are good visionaries. Like, so talk about, I've heard you talk about that, but can you talk about that more a little bit of like, for the first example, let's do that one. That's pretty easy and common of like, okay, so the family's got captured by this, but instead of devolving into a character of just like a husband who's maybe not a good systematic leader, how do you still then yeah. follow this dynamic for the flourishing of your family when maybe he's not, but the wife is also really good at it and crushes. And you know, those wives, right? Where you're actually like, man, that, totally. that's CEO yeah. right there, right? You're Which like, is she's a, huge, she dominates. a huge blessing. Totally. That's so how right. do you utilize that? Cause I think sadly in Christian culture and sometimes in the more fundamentalist cultures, we let, we quash that in women rather than like, man, what a beautiful skill for the team. So how do you talk about yeah. that maybe on how there's, there's a lot, there's a, there's a, there's a bigger sandbox than we like to think right. of dynamics they, like, man, your team needs to figure out your team and what's best for your team. Like, right. But talk about that, maybe. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, and this is a huge idol in our culture, guys. We know that, right, that basically any kind of identity that we try to push on people, you know, half the Disney movies are about some kid being crushed by an identity that's being given to him or her, and then they, like, they, they get released from it, and then they're free. Like, that's, that's the great Western story. And there's some truth to that. Like, like identities can be crushing, but they can also be releasing. And it's important to figure out like, what is the role of the father? And he is uh, responsible for figuring out how to lead this family. And so that part of what that encapsulates is how do I release all the gifts that God's given us as a family? Um, and, and how do I help all of this to flourish? His job isn't to, uh, to do everything, right? His, his job is to be responsible for the overall effect that it has. And so he's got to feel the weight of that responsibility. And part of what he should do is then look around and say, well, what resources do we have in this family? What resources do we have in me, in my wife, in my kids? Uh, what has God entrusted to us? You know, and so he's, he's really that role of, of sort of the steward um, of those resources are those callings or those giftings. And so any wise father who finds himself with a very capable wife in lots of other areas is going to want to find ways 
to completely release that, not to quash that. Um, so, so this does look very different, and this is where families get their own unique dynamics. And it's so fun to watch as different families develop. Um, and so there is sort of a dance that has to go on between really investigating what Scripture says about what what are sort of the prescriptive elements of the role of father or mother, and those things are not those are baked into Scripture. Those are baked into our DNA. I mean, these are deep, deep, deep things um, that that are there, and our culture is really struggling with the fact that they're even biological at a certain level, and we don't like that right now in our culture. But we need to be aware of what those things are, and then be given tons of freedom around around. What what are the what are what does it look like to take advantage of all of those elements and then all the different callings and giftings in the family to to completely push into what it means to be a family that is expanding the kingdom of God. So um, so yeah, every family is going to look different. We can get into like specific like uh, ways that that might look in different families, and and I just love the the variety. Uh, but I think there it has to go both ways. You have to accept certain constraints or realities mm. or design is another way to say it. Um, and, uh, and in the same way that like, uh, you know, sports teams have coaches, they have general managers, there's lots of leadership going on, but there are certain things that I think that fathers are designed really well to do. Mothers are designed really well to do. And there are lots of sort of, uh, general skills, uh, that both might have, and those should be given to whoever has the skills for those things. Totally. <clears throat> and I think there's a level at which this has to be spirit led because, there's parts at which you're like, man, the Lord created me like this. Like I can go crush this for the family. And there's also a level at which I think stepping into fatherhood and motherhood is stepping into deep weakness for your growth. So there's a weird, like, yeah. uh, what's that word? Like contradiction there of like, man, I'm wired like this. And so I can use this right. for the family and whoa, I am not wired like this. There God's calling me to a certain level of this identity and role that I feel like I don't have, but he's going to teach me, yes. grow me, sanctify me and equip me. So like that's, or like, or that gap, that jump of where I think I am and where he right. is taking me is very much like the journey of following Jesus. So that's why it has to be spirit led. Cause I think it's a little bit of both. You have to just have your marriage full of love, full of humility, full of, you know, being on the same team, pursuing each other, shoulder to shoulder, face to face. Um, but no, I think that's that's super good. And and it's cool when you, like you said, when you see people kind of lock into it, right? When you see marriages that are like, man, that is totally them killing it for them. Like I can tell that's them. Yeah. Like that's the, that is a utilization yeah. of their assets, their resources, their wirings as a team better than if any anyone else with that, that exact, you know, cookie cutter. So I love that. What would you say? I think that was really, I think that was a really good section and helpful because that was probably our main section and main kind of question I would say is, father, like how, what do you do in that dynamic fatherhood? You know, fathers that maybe don't know aren't engaged, but I think that really helped. But another kind of pattern we kept getting asked and then we get asked a lot is, okay, then what do you also then do? I guess these are two separate questions, so I don't know how you want to answer them, but we got a lot of questions on like, what do you do when your family isn't traditional? Like, oh man, I really do want to get into rhythms and Sabbath and weekly family meetings and optimizing our week and a seven day ritual and all these things. But my husband is in Iraq for four months or I'm a single mom or, you know, whatever it is. So like, how do you then kind of with the non-traditional or I have kids with special needs and just as, you know, there's whatever it is. How do you kind of operate then in a non-traditional way while still believing in the multi-generational family team on mission? Or how do you let that be true for you is a question. Yeah. And then maybe the second one we can ask then is then about broken homes, which is a totally different subject because those, what all the things right. I just mentioned there aren't broken homes, but then when there's divorces right. and marriages and affairs, et cetera. So we can maybe talk about that next, but what would you say about that first yeah. one? Yeah. So non-traditional being in situations that are 
uh, maybe really have unique challenges for developing um, maybe all the elements. I mean, part of what you you have to for sure be aware of, okay, what is this a calling that is on our family? Then the whole family has to embrace it, right? As if we're a military family or we're, you know, a police, uh, if, if our dad's a police officer, if, if that, that's this the is calling not, again, the family. Yeah, yeah. Keep that hat on. Remember that that this is not just your the the husband's identity or the wife's identity, but there's something that the family's being called into, and so the family has to extend itself, and and there has to be a bit of creativity around how do we express and become a great team, um, and in in light of the fact that we have this intense calling on our family, and uh, mm. and getting around other families with that calling, and but I, I would say be be wary of. What can often happen in those situations is that you you sort of default and and what could have even precipitated some of these decisions um, could be the desire to pursue an identity that's above family. Um, so you have to c- keep resisting that, right? So this is the mm. the traditional sort of missionary family where you know in the past they just saw that being really on mission meant that they had they had to like sort of neglect their family and and just go after this mission and do these things separately or in a non-integrated way. And so sometimes callings can feel so intense. That you just start to they start to fragment the family. So no matter what the calling is, no matter how intense it is, um, I would say um, the more intense it is, the more critical it is that you be clear. Like this is this is us. We are a unit. Um, and so you know, I, 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 one of the chapters in the Father's Compass that's coming out is about Billy Graham. You know, and and I wish you know Billy Graham had such a powerful calling on his life, but he would regularly leave leave his family for six months. He didn't recognize his his young daughter. Yeah, when he there's saw that her story of him. Home. There's that story of him seeing his a girl playing in his front yard yeah. and being like, "Who's that girl?" It's and it's like, and it's his daughter. And you're like, "Oh, yes," because he was gone. It would so not long. have been difficult for the Billy Graham Association to have figured out a way to integrate the family into his mission. It would have been incredible. Could you imagine being the son or daughter of Billy Graham, getting to go all over the world, meet dignitaries, and help your dad? and your mom and all kinds of ways to achieve the family mission. But instead of it being the Graham Association, it was the Billy Graham. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that's that's yeah. a Western idea of thinking and that's unfortunate. Now, obviously, if you're, you know, being deported or, you know, you're being deployed because you're in the military, that looks different. Um, but totally. anytime... Uh, what I, I do think, man, if there's any way you can be creative, any way you can stretch to do this more together, what you know, whatever that looks like, push into that creatively. Um, and so, what I've been really surprised how often people haven't. They just sort of immediately say we can only do this completely separately. Uh, but I think that 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 needs to be really challenged. We need to figure out ways to make sure that yeah, we can push into these things as a team. We just may have to be creative to figure out how to how to make that make sense. Sorry, guys, we got cut off there for a second. The casual, amazing, usual Bluetooth stuff. If you know, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, you know I do these interviews through AirPods and Alyssa just took a call out there and it totally just messed everything up. But no, Jeremy, continue with what you're talking about. I think that is so pertinent and so so perfect and such uh, um, needed insight of just like, this, it, it's almost what I, it's funny you said it because I almost say it like this of like, you, you're basically saying like, just get creative and try to stretch what you do a little, one more step towards integration. That's what I always tell people. Like yeah. when they hear this stuff, they say, man, we got to shut down or quit or do this or move across the country. Some people that's true, but that's like 5%. 95%, yeah. I think I always tell people just go one step farther than the disintegration yeah. the culture is giving you right now. Just, just, right. just stretch one more step towards integration. So like whether yes. that means... You know, you don't change anything. Like dad keeps the same job. The kids go to the same school and this happens and this is our marriage and this is what we do during the week, whatever. But all that means is that, you know, the kids eat lunch with the dad once a week at the office. 
then boom, that's right. good. Or whatever it is, like just one extra step of integration is almost like an exponential hockey stick of like compound investing. But continue though and talk about that or whatever you were saying. No, totally, about that. yeah. I mean, it, it looks so different depending on what the occupation is or the constraints are. But I, I, I can tell you like, we sit down and we test every single constraint to your point to see, is, is this possible for integration? Could I take a kid on that business trip? You know, is it possible for us to get involved um, in some way? Like, can, should I get involved in their schooling in this way? Or like, where are all those points? Can we, should we do a FaceTime thing at this time every night? Mm-hmm. You know, how, like whatever it looks like, there's so much technology that yep. could help with this. There's so there's so many ways now that we can fight back against the disintegration that sort of is assumed in our culture. And yeah, you're going to look weird. And if you're a part of a big corporate machine, maybe, uh, you know, it's going to feel intimidating. But man, I would say it's worth it. Like push into it, figure out, like be that guy, be that woman, you know, be this, be the person who's like, because, you know, it's interesting. There's a debate going on about, you know, maybe nursing moms in, in, the, in the workplace and how we need to accommodate that, which I completely agree with. Um, but I would say that nursing is like, that's that's the first you know year or two right like like that that doesn't ever end i don't stop being a mom or a dad um after that period so like let's keep going let's figure yeah, out let's make laws ways. about how to let's integrate push. the whole thing yeah yeah let's keep figuring it out and one of the, we have this conversation around our workplace all the time we have one of our values at epiphio our company is in, is, is 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 choose integration and we we always say hey guys like we will Let's figure out if if you want to do an integration experiment. Let's see what it. Let's see how it goes. And if it if it does cost the company too much, if it distracts you, if you can't figure out how to make it all work, I mean, in our workplace here, people bring their dogs to work. Um, you know, almost every company in this building, um, the dogs are everywhere, and it's it's. And I'm like, cool, but like, you know, this is. What about children? What about really well behaved yeah. children or children no, never, that, that never you know, could integrate really easy? Yeah, it's like. So it's interesting that it took somebody to make that sort of paradigm shift flip, and and it may take you doing something a little bit risky, um, and asking for permission to do something a little bit uh, non-traditional yeah. for you to take that one step towards integration. But but yeah, I would say I we we used to all work together. We used to be together all the time. I mean that was the way that things happened in the Garden of Eden. That's what happened when we lived more an agrarian lifestyle, and so through what's happened with with the industrial revolution and through the kind of culture we've created, um, we have to be figuring out ways to be creatively bringing us back to the original design. And the original yeah. design was we are together as a family a lot. And yeah. so we got to figure that out. And there is a, there's a statement that when uh, the Amish, and of course, I'm not going to advocate that we all become Amish, but I found it fascinating, you know, because I, I, I didn't understand why they chose to be to be so agrarian. Um, but one of the things, statements that that I heard, a quote, was that when they were making that decision, um, they had a they had sort of a uh, a particular standard, which was how can a father eat all three meals with his kids seven days a week? Whatever would allow for that will allow from a lifestyle perspective, um, and and that's an incredibly high standard, and we certainly don't get close to that standard in our family. But um, but that's the kind of thing you have to decide. You have to decide like, okay, what is the standard? How many meals do we are we going to eat together, and how much are we willing to sacrifice or to bend or to try creative solutions to get to whatever that standard is. And I like what you're saying, Jeff, push one step into it. It doesn't really take that much before things start to get a lot better and you start to spend a lot more quality and quantity time together as a family. That's so good. And it's so true. I, I, the, the, that we could, we, me and you could have a whole nother hour long podcast on just the hilarity and weirdness and paradox and badness of the weird divide between work and children. It's like, it's like, you do realize all of human history work was children. Like, like 
like children in work were the same. Like you, you needed helpers in the field. Like you literally, right. you, you didn't farm with just you and your wife. You farmed with all 12 of you, right? And maybe your ox yes. or whatever. Um, right. It's just a hilarious. Yeah, it's just we're a very strange, weird culture for the last hundred years. And that's fine. Like we've said it, we've, we've, the, the, the ship's kind of sailed. So I'm not saying like, we're not going to be all be able to be farmers. The ship's sailed, but I, I right. think we have to very much be like, whoa, we are on a different ship though than everyone else has ever been in history. Right. Um, yeah. and yeah, just one step of integration. I think we've seen so much life there. Our friends have seen so much life there. And for people who don't know context, like Jeremy was saying, Jeremy doesn't work from home. He's a CEO of a very successful company at an office with employees and staff and projects and multi-million dollar budgets and projects, all these different things. So um, most people I'm guessing listening are in that same thing. And it's cool to see that you've thought about these things, thought through these things. How do you integrate? And everyone can integrate one more step farther. It does not mean you have to work from home. I think that's, I, I always get bothered actually. I think people think that's a weird like ideal when it's like, no, it's just, yeah. that's, that's not, that's not the solution, right? Like there's a lot of people, there's yeah. people I know that work from home and their family's terrible. That's yeah. not like some weird random yeah. solution. We need so, to, we got to push out into the world, you guys. I, yeah, I, th this can't be family as mission. That's, yes. what, you know, there's like three things that we talk. It's not family and mission where you take the two and separate them. It's not family as mission where you start to think your family is your mission. It's family on mission. It's, it's you're doing your mission in and through the family. Um, and so that's the distinction we're talking about. And when you do that, you push out into the world, into the neighborhood, into the workplace. Like these places cannot be abandoned by families and by believers. That would be a disaster. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we are salt and light, but we just have to figure out how to do this in a way that's closer to the way that God designed it, which was for families to steward, for totally. families to rule, for families to be fruitful and multiply. That was the original design. So trying to get a step closer to that is, is worth it. Totally. And guys, we actually go a lot deeper on those three paradigms. He just said there, uh, family and mission, family as mission, and family on mission. The first two kind of what we would say is parodies or mistakes or falling off the side in some sense. And then the third one being God's actual design. We go a lot deeper on those in the Skill of Fatherhood Masterclass. I think right now that's jeffandalyssa.com slash family teams. If you want to go check that out, jeffandalyssa.com slash family teams. You can check that out. Um, I think, um, or on the social medias uh, at family teams, but I think, um, yeah. So let's talk about then broken homes. Right. And I, I grew up in a broken home, single mom. My mom was awesome. A rock star. It's weird because I feel like single moms, there's a part of this that's, I'm and we got a lot of messages. Like it's hard for them to hear stuff like this. And like, what do I do? But there's also, man, like I get almost more inspired sometimes by single moms than sometimes even dads. Cause I feel like they just like, can they step up to a level of like leadership and doing everything and wearing all the hats. That's really beautiful and amazing and profound. And a lot of the single moms I know are just, yeah, they're just like bosses. You're like, man, cause you kind of have to be like, right. Or, you know, like yeah. for survival. But then from, yeah. yeah uh, but man, it, my mom was awesome and taught me work ethic and, um, fortitude and character and integrity and all these different things, but how just, but that it does provide a different dynamic. So how, whether it's a single totally. parent, whether that's just maybe like a divorce, whether that's maybe like you're maybe, I know we got a lot of messages, maybe like a 25 year old, but their older parent, like the parents that are like 50 got, you know, are broken home. How do you kind of start a new thing? I know that's a lot of multifaceted questions, but what do you kind of say there with like, how do you do this when just like the dynamic is not playing well, if that makes sense? Right. Yeah. Well, I'll say one big picture thing about what it, what happens in a broken home or what how to think about some of these challenges. Remember that you are a part of a multi-generational line and it probably took some amount of um, progression 
negative often to reach that point of brokenness. And one of the things that in Genesis 12, when God chose Abraham as this sort of model father, he said, through you, all the families of the earth shall, you know, will be blessed. Mm. And it's God's intention to redeem all the families of the earth. And so if you find yourself sort of in a valley in terms of generationally, like you've hit sort of a, a bottom place uh, and there's a lot of brokenness, um, it's important to understand that part of what you're going to try to do and part of what God wants to do is he wants to begin to find someone in the family to begin to to redeem that family line. He cares about your family line. He cares about the fact that, you know, potentially um, three, four generations ago, maybe maybe there were believers back there that were praying for you and, and the family sort of went sideways or whatever's happening in that family, whatever the enemy is trying to do to destroy your family line. Um, my first statement to you is like, hey, you really, like you've got an awesome um, opportunity to pull the family up uh, from this place. And in one or two generations, you can make a massive amount of headway. I mean, Jeff, you're really demonstrating that in your, your family line. And so I, I would, I would, I would encourage you, like, don't feel like you have to have the epic family experience in one generation. It took many, multiple generations to create brokenness. What God cares about is ultimately redeeming that family. And you can create enormous trajectory so that when they look back and they're like, well, how did we get here? They're going to look back at you and say, well, you know, my mom made the decision. She drew the line and said, from this point forward, uh, our family is going to be different. And, and so you have to start from wherever you find yourself. You know, they, they, we, we are not living a one-generation story. We are all products of a multi-generational story, um, as much as that sort of uh, really irritates a lot of, I think, the hyper-individual people in our culture. And because that's a multi-generational family story, it's really important to, like, to have hope that what it looks like for you to really make progress doesn't look like what another family, never, ever, ever look at another family and say, oh, because I can't be like them, I can't do anything. Like your job is to make, you know, is to make your ceiling the next generation's floor. And so if you can make that progress, it's worth it. And you're on the same mission that that God chose Abraham to be on, which is to bless all the families of the earth. He wants to redeem your family, your family line. And so it's worth whatever effort uh, you can put into redeeming this family. It's there. You have There's a cloud of witnesses behind you. There's all kinds of generations in front of you. And so it's important for us to sort of take our small piece. We are only living one chapter of a massive epic story. And so, you know, when you read those epic stories and you see the place where the, the story gets the most difficult chapter where, you know, the hero is sitting there trying to figure out what to do and is it worth it? And that may be your generation. Uh, and that is the most critical moment of the whole story. And so when your family story is told in eternity, you know, be that person who really made that, made that shift for the family generationally. And, and it's, that, that is good work. Uh, it's not easy. Doesn't fit really well in the individual individualistic story that we're telling in the West, but it's the real story. The real story is a generational story. It's not. It's not just our life. Totally. And I think Abraham, like you said, is a great picture of that because I always. I don't think we talk about this part enough. Where like the promise he got, the crazy like prophetic word from God he got, he actually never saw. Right? Like he right. never saw it. Like he 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 was promised a child. He saw that. Well, you know, two, but obviously the lineage of Israel. But um, but like he was promised a nation. He was not alive yeah. to see a nation come to fruition. To see like his descendants number the amount of the you know um, grains of sand. He didn't see that. Like <clears throat> we have to wrestle with like like actually put yourself in his position on his deathbed 
where he got promised a nation and he pretty much just dies with one kid or, you know, two kids. But, right. um, you know, so like that, that, like, I don't think we wrestle with like, man, God is way much longer of a promiser right. and a fulfiller than we are. But what's cool is he also gave like a glimmer of hope in Isaac. Do you know what I mean? So I, I think there's a cool right. tension there of like, he got prom- he, he was given a vision that his, that his obedience was going to lead to a whole nation but he only got the, the the promise came through Isaac, but he only got the one right. child for the promise. Um, so that's kind of like a both and, you know, and I think that's another right. thing I like, you can turn that trajectory. You will see some fruit, but you won't see it all, you know, and just, so just yeah. be a faithful link in that chain. What, um, in your, in your lifetime, uh, keep in mind as well, though, that one of the things that Jesus said that was really interesting was he said that Abraham longed to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Yeah. So, um, so somehow in eternity, Abraham did see the fulfillment of the promise of God, um, but he didn't see it in his lifetime. So whatever you, whatever work you are doing in this, as this link in the chain, like Jeff was saying, um, you're going to see that fruit uh, come out uh, in eternity. And so that's why uh, it's it's part of the promise, and that's that's that was part of God's sort of relationship that He built in with Abraham. Totally. So. Um, okay, one more question or one more kind of place I want to go, and then we can wrap up. Um, and of course, me and you can talk for like 10 hours. And I just looked, I thought we'd only been talking for 10 <laughs> minutes, and it's been like over an hour. Um, guys, if you want Jeremy to come back on, let me know on social media with questions and kind of what you want us to follow up on, stuff like that. I think we should definitely have another conversation down the road, maybe in the beginning of the year. But one thing I <clears throat> probably, again, the last more frequented question we got that we kind of touched on, but I want to hear you touch on more is okay, so what do you do then? I guess maybe not with broken, if you're in a broken family, but what do you do if like with just f- your own family, when you feel like you, you're going a new direction, when you feel called and captured by this story, what do you do when your family, you know, maybe doesn't get it or isn't on board or kind of has a value system that is against what you're doing? Maybe there is brokenness. Maybe there is sin. There's all these different things. What do you do there? Cause I, I, I think, this is just my two cents, but I think a lot of times millennials generations, which would be me, you know, like I think that's 34 and under currently would be a millennial um, with kids, young marriages, young kids. I think too many times we do disconnect from the ship when it's like, just because it's not perfect. And that I think is, I think that's wrong, right? Like if you like, I think we just, yeah, we're going out to start our new thing and you know, we're going to do this and just separate. And I, me and Alyssa don't really deal with that because we love our families and we have awesome families, but I think we just, we get, I get that message a lot of like people just like, Oh, my family's not that healthy. They're not that good. How do you kind of wrestle with that? And I think the main thing, what I'm trying to say here is there's a big distinction between like maybe not the perfect family and not the healthiest family and the toxic family. If there's a, if it's a toxic family, right. meaning where it's actually burdening, hurtful and harmful being around them. Cause that's true. And there are families like that. And right. thank you for starting a new legacy and generation and removing right. like you got to just remove just get away from the toxicity right. and the sin and like idol worship really it sounds bad but oh that's what the old testament would say it's idol worship right and that you kind of right. like abraham's dad and you're you're st- you're being a new abraham you're you're pulling away in obedience and starting something new but so amen and all and people need to do that but i think there's a difference between toxicity and then people that just like don't have a perfect family does that make sense and I yeah. think we, I think if if you're the person who gets captured by this vision, I think it's incumbent on you to just honor, 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 honor your family. Like it doesn't matter if they believe what you believe. It doesn't matter if they're captured by it. As long as the, as it's not toxic, I think just honor them, invite them into the story, yeah. tell them to share, invite them to the dinner table. You know, some of those tips we've gotten from you, but totally. what talk about maybe that, just what do you do in that distinction and how do you walk through that? 
Yeah, so the the Bible really seems to indicate that God expects us that we owe our parents a debt of honor. And in our culture, really, we think that our parents owe us because they all they screwed us all up, you know. So we we know a lot about psychology today, and so a lot of times, what what's happened is we kind of do know the roots, and sometimes we're right, like yeah, because my mom didn't love me, or my dad was kind of mean or distant. Like that's kind of why I have this issue and that issue. And so um, what that creates is sort of an attitude that we start to have around our parents, which is like you owe me so much because you've you've done so much damage to me, um, and. That can be true, and so so can it also be true that you owe your parents a debt of honor, and that's really what the Bible describes. And so, just because you, just because we understand more about the roots of some of our issues, doesn't mean that that gives us license to dishonor the previous generation and all the sacrifices that they they did make uh, on our behalf. And like Jeff said, there are definitely is gradations here. There are situations that are just so egregious. That that a complete cutoff is what's necessary, but for most of us, we're 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 owing our parents or the upstream generations a, a debt of gratitude and honor. And there's not a lot of places for us or ways in our the way that we live out family to to honor uh, our parents and to honor the previous generations. And so we got to find ways to do that. Let them share their wisdom with us, like like bring them into those conversations. There's a lot of very practical ways to do that. That I know we're going to share in various ways because there's a lot there's a lot there that we just have I guess ignored as a culture. But there's more uh, in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible that really lay out sort of the law of God. There's more in that area of the Bible uh, about honoring parents than about even caring for children. Um, it is such an important thing to God. The the um, a passage that's powerful about this is First Timothy five, which really lays out the the kinds of things that you owe. Uh, the previous generation, widows, aging parents. Um, it says that that it's our first responsibility to to repay our parents by providing for them in their old age. And that's not something that the church likes to talk about a lot, but it, it when you start thinking multi-generationally and understand this, you start to see, wow, there's a lot there. Uh, that models really for our children the way that these generations can stay together and united. Um, and so I think that's a very important kind of neglected neglected element. And it can be a lot of fun. It can be a lot of pain. Uh, it can be really difficult to figure out. Um, I, th- I would say one other just sort of general thing to consider is that whatever's happening in in a multi-generational family, if you have an upstream parent or grandparent, um, let's say a grandmother who's still alive, they have a very important role in your multi-generational family. And it's important, even if they don't understand it, that you try to understand it and you try to honor it and you try to reflect it. We had this conversation about husbands and wives, but it, it really goes for parents as well as grandparents um, that they need to be honored and that you need to find ways to sort of um, let them express what this season of their life should be all about, which is oftentimes passing down wisdom, engaging with the, the 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 downstream generations when I think about on um, on our sort of family meals we have on Friday night where we have uh, grandparents present and all the way down to we have like usually about four generations uh, three or four generations and you know those grandparents are the bridge between three generations that they can remember that have already passed sometimes four generations and three or four generations downstream and so they they in a multi-generational family having a bridge of seven eight generations is so important uh, and so there's lots of ways that we need to find to release 
that goodness. Um, so yeah, I would say that's a, that's a big deal. And if you don't have that, if that doesn't make sense at all, because there's just, there does need to be a, a beginning over an Abraham and Sarah generation as opposed to an Isaac and Rebecca generation. Don't be discouraged by that. Don't think you can't live out a multi-generational family. Uh, you do need to start from your, your family and begin to build that into your generations going downstream. So, uh, but if you do have the opportunity to build upstream and I would, I would take advantage of it. I wouldn't heap like responsibilities on people upstream. Um, don't sort of subvert their role or try to lead them in, in a direction they're not really excited to go. But I would say try to release them, try to invite them, you know, in, a, in, in very loving and thoughtful ways. Uh, that tends to go really well. That's good. And literally, and you've taught us this, literally the best thing and easiest thing that 99% of the time goes well and is awesome and is super low key is just say, tell me more about that or tell me a story or remember that time when grandma did this? Like, can you talk more about that? Like just literally let them be chief storyteller. Boom. That's 90% of like integrating into what is so helpful and amazing and beneficial about bringing that multi-generational legacy. And I love what you said. That's so true that like grandparents are a link between they're a bridge of seven to eight generations, which is insane. If you think about, um, that's just really, really cool and really awesome. Um, I had, I still had a bunch more questions. One of the ones I think that I really wanted to hear and we want, I want to talk more about, but maybe we can almost spend a whole episode on is, um, developing a culture in the home that loves the Lord. How do you guys worship together? Read the Bible. How do you train your kids to follow Jesus? Because obviously so much of the stats, whether it's eight or seven to nine out of 10 kids basically leave the home and don't care about the faith anymore. There's so much there, but I think that'll actually, we will put a little pause there because I think that would be a perfect second episode because to try to cram that in for the last five minutes would be disingenuous and an episode of, of its, <laughs> of its own because it's such so rich, I think. So, um, I'll let you leave us with some final thoughts, but first I want to guys just thank you guys again for all our support for, for, for family teams, the relaunch of that and kind of the brand and the stuff we got going. Um, guys, we've been so blessed and our family has been so changed by this stuff over the last four or five years through Jeremy and April. It's been so cool to partner with them and create all these resources. And so if you don't know, again, if you're listening for the first time, a couple things I would do, go listen to Jeremy's talk. I think, um, a couple weeks ago, it was when, I don't know when you're listening to this, but the podcast released in November and it was called the day our family changed forever. So go look for that podcast. Make sure you listen to that. It's an amazing, amazing podcast and talk from Jeremy. And then also we have, we're starting, we're launching the brand with five awesome products and resources coming at you very soon, probably January, February, and everyone who bought the bundle, you're going to get it first before they're available to for sale to everyone else. That's three awesome books. Um, and then two awesome courses. One's a normal course and one's a master class. It's just full chalk of amazing stuff. Skill of fatherhood is the master class. The other course is the seven day family, which is all on rhythms and ritual and how to honor a seven day week, how to live within rhythm as a family, optimizing your week, family meetings, etc. It's incredible guys. So many of you guys have pre-ordered all that. And when you're listening to this, if you go to jeffandalissa.com slash family teams, um, a lot of you asked the bun the Black Friday bundle ended and you were like, hey, you know, can we still get that? I want to get it for Christmas for my husband, the whole bundle, um, or I want to start the new year with it with my spouse. Uh, we took away the 199 deal that'll never come back again. So thank you guys for who got that. But we did toss it back up on there for 250 and that's still a pre-sale price that's like a hundred dollars off. And that's a bundle where you can get all five of our starting resources that'll come out in the next couple months for that crazy $250 price. So again, jeffandalissa.com slash family teams. 
We know those will equip and encourage you, and it'll also help us keep doing what we're um, journeying to do in 2019 with all these resources. And then we have podcasts coming out as well, which me and Jeremy have recorded a bunch on. Um, yeah, that's all I got. But Jeremy, any final thoughts on talking to families, talking to people listening, talking to single people? We have kind of a range of people listening, um, but I think this was fruitful and encouraging to them across the board. But any final thoughts? Yeah, guys, I would just, I would say, you know, people tend to vastly overestimate what they can accomplish in a short period of time and vastly underestimate what they can accomplish in a long period of time. This is the long game. Please do not try to accomplish so much that you get discouraged or overwhelmed. Uh, we, we have been training in sort of a Western, modern idea family for our whole lives. It's going to take time for this stuff to sink in, for it to become natural. Um, so I would just encourage you guys, like, take your time, really work on this stuff one step at a time. We're going to be here. We're going to be working on resources with you guys and for you guys. I encourage you guys, but don't don't get discouraged. Don't get overwhelmed. Take Take a step. Try to make try to make it work for your household, your family, and then take another step. And man, in a in a longer period of time, over four, five, ten years, massive, massive, massive changes, massive progress is going to happen for you guys. And that's what I encourage you guys to keep your eye on. This is a took generations to get here. It's going to take generations for us to really continue to move forward and get to where God's calling our families to be. So so stay on that path, be persistent, um, but also uh, don't uh, don't try to bite off too much at once in a way that might be frustrating and discouraging. So I encourage you guys, it's gonna, it's a great journey. We're super excited to hear your stories about how God's beginning to transform and, uh, and work on your family in some ways that's gonna, gonna really mean massive things for your future generations. So good. So good. Um, you guys, if you want to follow up, follow uh, Jeremy and April and their family. They have an Instagram page, team.prior. You can follow along with them there, their journey, their family. Also, the Priors and us, the Beth Keys, are always sharing and collaborating and giving tips and resources and peeks into our family on the Family Teams social media pages. So just search Family Teams on Instagram or on Facebook. And then as always, guys, every Tuesday that a podcast comes out, I do a kind of a big little long explainer um, about that episode on my Instagram, Jefferson Bethke, where we can have a fun conversation in the comments. So team.prior, family teams, and then Jefferson Bethke for the week this comes out. And that's all we got. And we love you guys and have a good day. <laughs>